Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. another edition of the Sports Rivals. And Ernie, what a special Sports Rivals this is for you as your North Carolina Tar Heels advance yeah. with an 81-77 victory over the Duke Blue Devils, sending Coach K off in a very miserable way um, in an <laughs> unbelievably entertaining basketball game. It was a tremendous basketball game. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as they advance to tomorrow night's finale against the Kansas Jayhawks. So two of the most successful programs in the history of basketball will be battling. Kansas is an early four-point favorite, but that's gonna be tomorrow night. We're gonna spend a little bit of time talking about that. We'll also recap what's going on in the NBA, NFL, uh, et cetera. And then Ernie will come back with a closing thought. But Ernie, what are your thoughts on your Tar Heels getting to the championship game? Who would have thunked this two months ago? Uh, it, was, it wasn't me and you know, I, Maybe I'm not a diehard Tar Heel fan, uh, but you know I've been following them for at least a good 35 years. I mean, right before, uh, you know, early in my high school days, I was I was following following them immediately uh, before Jordan when Worthy was there, you know, uh, and following that with the Doherty brothers. After that, then you you know in, into the 90s where you had BC and whatnot. But anyways, what a what a win! And that was Grant's up because you cannot when you think of Duke, North Carolina. I mean, what a way to go! And, and and even though Coach K lost, and much respect to Coach K, you know, I, I I always hated the guy until this year, but much respect to the guy, much respect. I mean, just the way he went out. Also in his press conference, he really didn't want to look at that game as his last game. He wanted the focus to be about his players. I mean that's that was that was total class for him, but uh, I'm glad that Caleb Love woke up in the second half. I mean that that was getting scary. I thought they entered the game with high energy. They were getting all the second chance points, all the rebounds. Uh, but Duke terrible from the three point uh, arc. I mean I think they shot like 22, 23 percent. Uh, what a game! I think just everything that came about it was classic Duke, North Carolina. To me. I mean, it really was. It was It was intense. It was high energy. It was exciting. It was back and forth. Um, it, was a, it was a tremendous game. And then you hit it right on the head with Caleb Love. I mean, he, he was he's always my X factor when it comes to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And in the first half, he started the game launching threes. He missed his first three threes. And then he missed another one later in the half. But then it changed when he started to get aggressive and he started taking it to the hoop. And he had three layups, and I think just that layups, just getting that, that seeing the ball go through the basket, he came out in the second half and just lit it up. I mean, he lit it up, uh, finally culminating in the dagger three that puts them up four, hit all the free throws down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but Caleb Love was the reason why North Carolina won that game. Yeah, his athleticism. I mean, didn't, it didn't hurt that, uh, you know, both Benchero and Williams were in foul trouble. He was... He, I, I think what the, the point of him actually attacking the rim at that, that point was probably try, 
trying to get them to fall out of the game. And well, it, just, it just so happened, you know, that, you know what, they let him go. They let him drive to the rim. They couldn't really put too much pressure on, on his attack, and that's how he scored all those points. Well, so let's, let's you know, everybody knows that, you know, I would, I, in this game, I'm cheering for Duke. You know, they are one of my teams that, that I like. But let's break it down from the Duke perspective, uh, and then we'll go to North Carolina going into, into the finale. But a couple of major issues with the Duke Blue Devils. Jeremy Roach played a terrible game. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't shoot the ball well. He didn't play well. He was severely outplayed by, by R.J. Davis, especially in that first half. A.J. Griffin didn't play well. Between the two of them, I believe they were 0 for 10 from 3 or 2 for 12 or 14 from the field. Um, that, was, that was the first major issue. Wendell Moore was missing some layups early on. He did hit some clutch shots down the stretch. But the bigger problem, I thought, was Mark Williams getting into the foul trouble that he got into. He right. played four and a half minutes in the first half. Three balls. And I thought, Duke, <laughs> I thought Duke got away with that in the first half. They were still went into halftime with a lead, despite him only playing for four and a half minutes. They, they, but they left Johns in there, and he got four fouls mm-hmm. you know, in the first half. Um, but that was key. And then I thought there was one critical play in the second half where it was a tie game. The ball got tipped out of bounds. R.J. Davis tips it out of bounds. Banchero jumps out of bounds and throws it right underneath the basket to Baycott, who scores, and Williams picks up his fourth foul. I mean, that is something you never, ever do, is throw the ball back under the the opposing team's basket. basket. Either you throw the ball at R.J. Davis or you just let the ball go out of bounds. But that was a killer because it put North Carolina up, but more importantly, it took Mark Williams out of the game. I mean, Williams, in the very limited amount of time, I think he still had 12 points. I mean, he had five or six dunks. And when he's not on the floor, North Carolina dominated the rebounds, right. you know, because without Mark Williams, that's a problem. So I thought I thought Rhodes didn't play well. Griffin didn't play well. I thought it was all on ben, uh, Banchero offensively. And I thought they should have gone to him more in the first half. When it was him against Manic, it seemed like that was a mismatch. Mm-hmm. Manic played him better in the second half, though. He made it. He made it a little bit more difficult. But if it wasn't for Trevor Keels coming in and going for 18 points, it wouldn't have been as close as it was. No. So from the Duke perspective, they they competed. They played hard. There were clutch shots happening at the end, back and forth. Keels hits a three. North Carolina hit Manic hits a three. Um, Moore hits a three yeah. and then Davis gets fouled hits his two free throws it was back and forth teams making um, play after play Mark Williams got fouled with a chance to put Duke up by one he choked he missed <laughs> both I thought the first one he just missed the second one he choked he, he short armed it he barely hit the rim um, but there's nothing that Duke has to be put their head down for they, they competed they played hard um, North Carolina made the plays when they had to. Exactly. exactly. I mean, it was it was clutch basket, like you said, after clutch basket by by both teams. And uh, Justin, I I thought North Carolina uh, kind of wanted to muddy this game up, and I I think that's how they've gotten this far through the tournament. I mean, they did it. They did it with a. And you know what? They're they're tested. Like we talked off the off the air. I mean, they went through number one. They they beat they beat Baylor. You know, they beat UCLA, who I, I picked as my Final Four champion. You know, they, they now they beat Duke. Yeah, they've earned it. They, know, have, so. they have earned it. Again, there was one hiccup in the last two months, that ACC semifinal against Virginia Tech. Other than that, 
they've been a machine and they're doing it with basically five people. Yeah. You know, maybe you bring somebody in off the bench just to give somebody a break, but they're basically doing it with five people. And and Baycott is an unbelievable rebounder. The kid has back-to-back 20 rebound games to set the record for most rebounds in the first five games of the tourney. Uh, he is just an absolute rebounding machine. And I thought in this game, Duke did lots of things well. Manic didn't have as good a game offensively. He hit two clutch threes down the stretch. Baycott didn't have a game, a good offensive game. Um, but it was Caleb Love. You know, RJ Davis in the first half and Caleb Love in the second half. Right. And when Caleb Love is going to go for 27 and get that hot, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah. The key is, can he do that consistently? Yeah, that's that's the thing. He, I mean, because North Carolina, actually, uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, Leaky Black, you know, he did contribute offensively, but mm-hmm. normally, I mean, that that was a yeah, one-off. two threes. That was a one-off game for him. Yeah. I mean, not one-off, one-on game. I mean, he usually doesn't produce that much. He's more there for, you know, his defensive prowess than his offensive, offensive prowess. So, but, but you, in order for North Carolina to take out Kansas in the championship game, all, all four of them got to be in sync. Kansas... Uh, in their game, just showed, showed, showed. You know, you know, they basically flex their muscles. They don't have to do too many things right, in my opinion. North Carolina has to. Yeah, I mean, Kansas is an early four-point favorite, um, and I think North Carolina. I mean, let's let's break that down a little bit. Let's talk a little bit first about the the Kansas Villanova game. I mean, you blink and it was 10-0. Abaji went crazy oh, early crazy, on, yeah. and and from that moment on, from 10-0 on. The game was essentially over. Villanova got it back to six on one occasion. And as soon as they would cut it down to seven or six, Kansas would spurt right back out into double digits. It, it was one of those games that you never really thought Kansas was in trouble. And so Kansas, since the halftime of the Miami game, their last three halves have been very, very impressive. And the thing is, Abaji was hot and McCormick did well, but the rest of the team didn't do that that well. But maybe they took the pedal off the medal. Let's talk about the matchup, though, with North Carolina. Where do you see, from your perspective, from a, from a North Carolina's perspective, what do you see as the keys to North Carolina being able to win this game? Well, they're going to have to cut down on their turnovers, first of all. I mean, they had 10, over, 10 turnovers against the Duke. Uh, Blue Devils and all of them, I believe, I, I think all of them went for easy buckets on the on the other end. So you know, if if let's call it two points for every turnover, that's twenty points. They can't do that with the Kansas Jayhawks. You know, they're just too good. Kansas Jayhawks and and what the Kansas Jayhawks did to a Villanova team that really doesn't turn the ball over that much. I mean, I believe Villanova had like nine turnovers. And it just wasn't there for them. Now, the good thing about, uh, I'm hoping they used all their bullets. Kansas shot well from the arc. I believe they, they shot uh, 54% uh, from the three-point line. And they did that on timely moments. I think every time that Villanova started to make their run, a deep three or you know some outside shot fell through for Kansas that kept Villanova at bay. And they never really threatened, like how you said. Uh, if... Kansas uh, were to win tomorrow, uh, that shooting trend is going to have to continue because I, I think if they shoot the way they shoot in the normal game, and I think North Carolina will actually put a defense defensive plan together to actually mitigate that, uh, it, it's going to be tough for Kansas. But I think they're going to muddy the game, 
you know, and they're going to let, and there's be say your, your, our best five against your best five. See, I, I think, I think the key is going to be Caleb Love, I, I, as it always is. And I think in this particular case, and I think you saw what Kansas did to Villanova. I mean, Gillespie, uh, Gillespie had a, a pretty good game. He hit some really, really difficult shots, but you put a Baji on him. And I have a feeling he's going to be the one with his length and quickness mm-hmm. uh, to stay with Caleb Love. And I believe they have Harris that, that can stay with, with Davis. Um, one of those guards are going to have to go off. And that's been the story. I mean, Davis went off against Baylor. Love went off against UCLA. Nobody needed to go off against St. Peter's. Love goes off in this game. So one of those two are going to have to go off um, in order to compete with that. But I have a feeling Kansas puts... Uh, Abaji on love to try to control him or make it difficult for him. Um, but I think Kansas is going to play, Kansas plays at, at a high pace and I think they're going to go extra high. Yeah. I think they're going to try to do, um, take advantage of the fact that they go five deep and who knows what Baycock's ankle is like. So right. I think they're going to try to speed it up, maybe have force McCormick to run the floor make Baycott run the floor, try to tear, tire them out. Because one thing that I thought about after the game, that game was an intense game. It was highly emotional. It was super hard fought. It reminded me of last year's Gonzaga win in the second semifinal against, against UCLA. UCLA yeah. And they had nothing left Monday night uh, against Baylor. And from the very beginning, you could tell that it was a man against boys. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. But that did give me a concern, um, especially when you play with five guys. Mm-hmm. So if I'm Kansas, if I'm Bill Self, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 10 deep, or at least my eight guys, and I'm going to run them and run them and run them and then try to see how much Baycott has, try to see what Davis, which one of Davis or Love is going to step up, try to tire Manic out, right, you know, right. try to get Manic tired because that guy hits killer shots as well. So from Kansas' perspective, I would play fast. From North Carolina's perspective, I would try to slow it down and try to control that pace because they got, they can score in the half court. They right. don't have to run. Right. Maddox has an almost unblockable Larry Bird shot. Even with people in his face, he shoots it from such a high point like Larry Bird that's almost impossible to block. He'll get a shot off on anyone. If, if he's hot, Kansas is in trouble. Yeah. That's, and, and I think it comes down to, as far as the shooting comes down to, I think it... I mean, I, I, I think the advantage, I, I don't think it's just love. I think uh, Manic, Manic has it, uh, Davis has it, but I like your thought in regards to Obaji on love. I think the winner of that matchup on both sides, offensively and defensively, uh, that might have a lot to do with the outcome of the game because Obaji went six for seven, yeah. you know, uh, uh, but Abaji hasn't had a good tournament, you know, so he yeah. showed up in the semifinals right. and he balled out. But again, he only took, what, seven shots? I, I believe he went, he was six for seven from three. He had a dunk. So I think he went seven of eight. He, he's typically not aggressive. Caleb Love is ultra aggressive. Right. The man has steel <laughs> for, <laughs> for down in the midsection. That guy is fearless. Uh, and it showed. He took it upon himself to hit the dagger three. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. It's going to be interesting. It's really going to be. It's really going to be interesting. I hope Baycott is healthy. Uh, he did. 
he looked bad, then he came back if, in. Yeah. Um, according to Hubert Davis, his ankle's not swelling much. He seems to be okay. They had a light practice today. He participated in that. So I got to assume that he's going to be at full strength because you want to make sure that he is. I mean, if he's not, that's a big loss. That, and that, yeah. And I got to I gotta think he's going to be, I mean, not at full strength. I'm, they're, they're definitely going to wrap the ankle, you know, just so it doesn't roll again because of the weakness on, on that. But I'm kind of hoping that what effect that'll have uh, on him as far as his flexibility, you know, moving, uh, moving laterally, you know, uh, you know, because like you said, if he's out, game over. Yeah. They don't have anybody to replace him. I mean, uh, last year they did, but they all they all went to the NBA or transferred out. But this year it's just Baycott. So if he's out, oh my goodness. And that, if he falls out, that's another problem because, you know, he did that towards the end, good thing that they had the lead. If he falls out, gets into early fall trouble, that's that's another dagger that's going to be in North Carolina, you know, North Carolina's back. So hopefully, you know, that doesn't happen. Hopefully they're able to execute their game plan, bring home their, uh, their sixth national championship, and then I can, I can celebrate early <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean at this point in time I, I believe that North Carolina seems to be the team of destiny they're playing really really well and they're winning all the close ones nothing to, to, to take nothing away from Kansas I believe Kansas has the better team top to bottom mm -hmm. you know North Carolina has the best starting five yeah. has had the best starting five for a while it's just I don't remember the last time you rolled the this a five player team me neither and you got to go back to my Fab Five days with Chris Webber and all those guys. I mean, they played the whole game, almost every game. But even they went to the bench a little bit more than than this. So yeah. um, can North Carolina yeah. pull it off or will Bill Self finally get his second title with the with the Kansas Jayhawks? And, and right after the game, we were texting it and Ernie said that Coach Roy Williams – it's going to be torn. Yeah. Either way, one of his teams is going to win a national championship. Uh, I, you know, I take that back because he won one with Kansas. He won three with North Carolina. So three is bigger than He one. won two, right? And then Dean Smith won. Dean Smith won in 82. Roy Williams won in 2004, 2009, 2017. Wow, he was there for that long? Yes. Wow. So, yeah, I mean... Oh, so he's going to cheer for Kansas to kind of pull us down. <laughs> he can because these are his players, you know. So yeah. the, these are his players. Yeah, these yeah. are his recruits. Um, there are no freshmen that are, are that are playing. So all of these players are are his players. So um, it's going to be it's going to be crazy. It's going to and for your sake, I hope you get to experience the euphoria that I had at the Super Bowl. I, I hope so. You know, if, if I can't do it in any other sport, at least we got you know. College basketball and hopefully my Celtics continue on their run. We get we get it on the professional level. Too. And then the good thing about this North Carolina run is it's come out of nowhere. Yes. For you, uh, I like have... for the whole year as a Gonzaga fan, you're stressing about getting to that point. And there was no stress for North Carolina. Uh, no, Even when the tournament started, you, you didn't necessarily think. But they are the team of destiny. Yeah. You know they blew out. Well, they should have blown out Baylor into the Manic call. Um, and then UCLA is the only team that have depth, but I think UCLA's play, the style of play to, to play methodical, mm -hmm. benefited North Carolina so they can rest. Kansas is another team that has that depth. Um, 
We're going to see. We're going to see. So by this time tomorrow night, because you guys know we record, by the time you guys listen to this tomorrow morning, hopefully you listen to it before the game, say a little prayer for Ernie and the Tar Heels. <laughs> yeah. Unless you, those of you that are Rock Chop Jayhawk fans. If you're not, Ernie really needs the help. So please go ahead and, and, and help him with that. Um, so Ernie, let's switch to the NBA. So All last right. week, your Boston Celtics got to the top spot. Then they rested everybody as you alluded to that they were going to rest some team uh, some of their players because they had they were questionable on Sunday they lose to Toronto although they almost pulled that off yeah. without most of their team um, then they lost to the Heat the Heat all of a sudden last week I was writing them off then this week they're playing well again so as we stand right now Miami's one and your Boston Celtics are now number two yeah uh, and part of that uh you know, that JV squad that went up against, uh, you know, Toronto was, you know, I think by in part with Robert Williams' injury. Uh, I'm not sure if we if we touched on that last podcast, but we, mm-hmm. you know. Well, he, we yeah. knew that he got hurt. We didn't right. know the extent. Yeah. So he's he's out four to six weeks, but preliminary indications are, are, are saying that it might be closer to the four weeks instead of the six weeks. So that'll put him back, you know, hopefully by... The beginning of uh, round two of the playoffs, but they're 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 still rolling. I think it took a while. Uh, Ime Adoka is playing around with the, the lineups. Of course, you cannot replace Rob Williams. Uh, they started off with uh, Grant Williams, his counterpart over there, in their first game in the loss to Miami. Came back uh, the second game against Indiana Pacers uh, with Daniel Tice, and that seemed to work a little bit better as far as the starting lineup was concerned and today this morning uh, against the Washington Wizards Washington Wizards played a terrific game they they shot lights out and I was thinking geez on a, on a, on a normal day uh, Washington would be leading but the, the Celtics were were just on it that day they took a, a a 10 point lead going to half and they blew it up in the second half winning by 42 and well they yeah. shot like 60 percent from three I it, mean, was, it was it was it was the shooting percentage yeah, was, that they had today it and it was everybody especially their bench yes. i mean um pritchard was three for four from three neesmith was three for four mm-hmm. from three uh grant williams was four for five from three i mean it was it was crazy it was everybody hitting hitting shots for yourself yeah it, 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 it was it was just on but even before that Tatum didn't really shoot well. Uh, the game, the offensive output was actually by by Jalen Brown. He had a, another terrific game. Uh, I mean, this guy is on a, on a streak, folks. I think he scored he scored twenty five or more points. I think this is his seventh or eighth game in a row uh, that he's had that productive output and you know shooting very efficiently. Uh, so that bodes well, you know, in regards to their you know now as they enter the playoffs. Uh, so I, I I'm feeling very good. I still don't put them as the favorite, you know, to win the championship. I, 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 I still like Phoenix on top of that. But if this continues, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start being a homer. Or <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get cocky if North Carolina wins. You're going to think it's that easy in the basketball <laughs> world. But, you know, give Miami credit. I had written them off. They were a mess last week. This week they win four in a row. So this is where we stand. Miami has a two-game lead over the Celtics. Milwaukee and Philadelphia are next at three and four. Uh, two and a half games back so really theoretically it still can be anybody's ball game with one week left you know it, it, 
who knows how one through four is going to shape up at this point. But my one more win by Miami, and they're going to be hard to beat in the top spot. Yeah. So it's that two, three, four that's going to be really, really critical. And you know what? I think that's going to be very, very important because in the play-in games, you now have Cleveland at seven, Atlanta at eight, Charlotte at nine, and Brooklyn at ten. So Brooklyn is cannot not be in the play-in game. And at this point in time, they cannot... Well, I guess they could. Theoretically, they could still get to the seventh position. But it doesn't look... It looks like Brooklyn is going to be in that 9-10 game. Yeah. But don't look now. But the Atlanta Hawks are playing the best ball of the season. They're on a five-game winning streak. So assuming that they would beat Cleveland in that play-in game, which I think they would, they would be the seventh seed. They would be dangerous to anybody in the two spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, they proved last year they can beat Philadelphia. Um, they gave Milwaukee all they could handle last year, you know, until Trey Young got hurt. Um, they certainly would be an obstacle for the Celtics because you have Trey Young, who's proven to be a PT peer, man. He, he is a clutch player. So I would rather be in the three and four spot and play a Toronto team that's playing well. But I would rather play Toronto or I would rather play Chicago at this point in time than a Red Hawk, Hawks team. Yeah, at this pace, you know, if the, if the Hawks uh, keep doing what they're doing, you know, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be on that bandwagon, I mean, uh, as far as trying to, you know, knock them off their, their high horse. Like you said, they've been playing terrific ball. Uh, but the word is, at least on most, most of the, uh, I guess, pundits on the airwaves is, Try to jockey your position away from the Nets. I don't see it. I mean, uh, uh, really, if, if the season ended today, they have to play at Charlotte. I wouldn't be surprised. Charlotte's been playing well. They just got Gordon Hayward back. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a one and done for Brooklyn to play in. You know, Charlotte tries to battle their way, but I really think Cleveland and Atlanta probably are going to be. Well, the just ones. look at what happened the other day. Uh, just yesterday, I mean. KD goes for 55 points, Kyrie at 36 points. So they together, lose. they had 91 points and they still lost. Lose. Yeah, they lose. Um, again, they lost to a Red Hawk, Red Hot Hawks team, but the fact that your two best players put up 90 and you still lose doesn't bode well. They're not playing real well at this point. I mean, at this point, they have to regret the fact that they traded Harden, although Harden is not necessarily lighting it up for Philadelphia. But I think they expected Ben Simmons to play this year, right. and he's doesn't look like he's going to play. No. And at this point, if you're in that 9-10 game, you cannot be you know, any, any higher than the 8th seed. Right. Because the 7 or 8 winner becomes 7, and then that extra game that you have to win would be the 8th seed. So at this point, Miami's looking at a possible first-round match with Brooklyn if Brooklyn can win against the Charlotte Hornets and again over the Cleveland Cavaliers, assuming that's the way it plays out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I look at that and I still would put Miami as, as the favorite on top of that. They got the better coaching, they got the better bench, uh, and, and I'm talking about against Brooklyn, with Charlotte more the same, maybe to a lesser extent, because Charlotte does have all those great athletes. Uh, again, they, they, they've got to integrate uh, Gordon Hayward back. He's been. He's been uh, missing for quite a while, but you know if they, they can go on a mini run, uh, you know what they might push Miami, but I still think Miami will come out uh, you know a relatively 
uh, unscathed in that first round series. I still like Milwaukee as the as the team to I, beat I, in the I, Eastern Conference. I do, I do too. Giannis is playing great ball. I mean, they lost to the Mavericks today. I mean, Luca and, and crew go into Milwaukee and knock off um, the Bucks. But I think Giannis is playing well. In fact, there's a lot of talk now that he has definitely leaped over Joel Embiid in the MVP yeah, race. Right. Mm-hmm. And many think that he is actually the favorite now. Or some believe that he's at least a 50-50 shot to, against uh, Jokic to be the MVP. And it's hard to argue. Really, it's hard to argue with any of the top three. Um, but if you want to say that Milwaukee has a better record, they have a one-game better record over you know, more than Denver. Um, but I still like Milwaukee when it comes to the playoffs. I think they're set up for playoffs. They have great, They have the best defender in basketball in Giannis. Uh, he's proven he can close. Middleton's proven he can close. Holiday is a tremendous defensive player as well. Um, they're going to be a tough out. I mean, they are the defending champs, and they're going to be a tough out. Yeah. But if Miami continues to play this well, they'll be a problem. Boston can be a problem. The East is going to be... A, Pretty crazy. It, it, it is. I, I, I'm like you. I have Bo- I, I have Milwaukee as 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 uh, my number one, uh, Boston at number two, Miami third, and then Philly. And then I, I think after that I they're just leftovers. I think there's only I think there's only four teams that can actually come out of the East. It's just a gauntlet. I mean, you you can upset one team, one round, but you're gonna have to come up with a good you know. As you progress through through the rounds, it's going to be one, you know, uh, one Goliath after another. And I think after you know, it's it's just like the NCAA's uh, take out North Carolina. Although North Carolina is playing well, uh, you get your upsets in the beginning, but at the end, the the cream rises. You know, and I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, <clears throat> what you call it? Uh, in the NBA playoffs, but how about on your side? On the, uh, on the West, I still believe it's Phoenix, I, and, and I, I just think they're going to cruise to the playoffs. Um, Memphis did beat them, you know, er, earlier this earlier this week, and Phoenix is still playing all of their guys for the most part. Um, but I still think Phoenix is going to be too much. I think they will roll through. I think the only team that could possibly beat them would be Golden State if Curry comes back and he's fully healthy and they're all fully healthy. That's a big if. And right now, really, the way Jordan Poole is playing, um, I'm not sure if Golden State's any better with Curry. I would would say yes. I I don't know if they're that much better. So I think Phoenix is definitely the team to beat there. One thing I know is my Lakers are not mathematically out, but they're very close. <laughs> With four games left, the Lakers would have to go 4-0, and San Antonio would have to go 0-4 for the Lakers to be able to get in because of all the tiebreakers that San Antonio wow. and the Pelicans have. Wow. Now, the Lakers are on a six-game winning streak. I think it's much more, I mean, losing streak. It's much <laughs> more likely that the Lakers lose all four games than it is that they're going to win all four games. Because Ernie, the Lakers have not won two games in a row in 2022. (laughs) So why are they going to now win four games in a row? It's just not going to happen. But you know what? As a Laker fan, I actually prefer at this point that they don't make it in because it would be humiliating to lose a 9-10 play-in game. And if some miracle they get through that, the Phoenix Suns would destroy them That's in the first true. round. It would be a four-game sweep. Um, so at this point in time, it's been the most disappointing and frustrating season 
in my lifetime, not the worst season, although it's becoming that way. It's getting, <laughs> if they lose their last four, it's, it's going to be the worst one in my lifetime. I don't think the Lakers have ever been less than 31 and 51. Maybe, maybe they were in that backstretch when they're picking second every year. But anyway, the Lakers are going nowhere, and I never would have thought this that they wouldn't even make the play in. Yeah, that's that's surprising. I mean, it's one thing if you go into a season and you don't have high hopes, but they, I believe in the beginning of the year, they're, they were the awesome favorite on, on Vegas' side to represent the West. Well, you you talked about that. I mean, the Vegas is always going to ride with the with the superstars, right. and, and that's going to be who they, who they take. So it was going to be Brooklyn and L.A., but once they made that Russell Westbrook trade, I had my doubts, and my doubts yeah. have come. Yeah. And the, my doubts have been absolutely right. And I feel, like I said, I feel Westbrook actually had a pretty good game today. They almost knocked off Denver before they faded at the end. And that's that's what's what it's been all year. The Lakers have blown more fourth quarter leads than anybody in the history of the NBA. And that's age. Where they can play well, but once you get to the fourth quarter, their legs are tired and LeBron can't finish. Um, That's what happens. That's what happens when you have when you have old legs. I thought AD played a a pretty decent game, but uh, you know I didn't watch the end, so he probably did fade. I'm gonna go back to uh, challenging Phoenix, though. Uh, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna pick Dallas as my dark horse in the West. I think they play a brand of defense. If you look from, Boston has been playing lights out defense from January. The second best team has been Dallas. And that's Jason Kidd. And that's one of the reasons why the Lakers suck this year, because Kidd is gone. You know, he was an instrumental assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Assistant coaches matter, but you're right. Dallas is playing deep. Play. Like they've never played yep. in the in the recent history. Exactly. And, and if you do that, you're still in the game in the fourth quarter, and you say, okay, you know what? It's Luka, Doncic time. I mean, they, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna win it, but they're gonna they're gonna surprise some people. You know, I I, I think they're gonna have a chance to actually. Uh, they're one game behind the Golden State Warriors for the number three position. If they can leapfrog the Golden State Warriors, I actually like them more than Memphis. Memphis, I believe, is still too young. Uh, I be, I love John Morant, I and mean, he is such an electric player. But his team does better without him. <laughs> they, they just do. They, they're with. I, I think they've only. He's been gone like eighteen games or something like that. They, they've only lost. Well, they're twice. eighteen. They're nineteen and two now yeah. without well, without him. him. I mean, it, 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 it's it's incredible. But, but they're just too young, in my opinion. Well, and Dallas has got this to close the year. At Detroit. Okay. Granted, Detroit's playing a little bit better. better. Portland. Okay. And then San Antonio. Okay, that's in a game that San Antonio is probably not going to have yeah, to win. That's two um, wins. At worst, two and one. Okay, yeah. so let's go ahead and see who Golden State has to play, and then we'll see if, if it's possible for them to leap them. Let's pull up the Golden State schedule. Golden State ends. Oh wait, their next opponent is. Oh, man, they have the Lakers coming up. (laughs) Okay, so that one's a win. Then they go at San Antonio, at New Orleans. So, you know, depends. Does San Antonio and New Orleans, are they still motivated? Do they want that home court? See, I could see San Antonio not caring, you know, about the Lakers catching them. But I think they want the home court in the 9-10 game. So that could be motivated teams on the road. So... 
We'll have to see, but you're right. You know, that is a big difference. I mean, from, I think the biggest difference in getting to that third spot is you don't see Phoenix to the finals. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest difference. If you're in the three spot, you play either Utah or Denver. If you're in the four spot, you play Utah or Denver. Uh, Both of them are gonna be hard matchups. But both of them are winnable matchups. Exactly. You just avoid having to play Phoenix, Phoenix in the right. semifinals. Right, 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 right. So I mean, that's the way it is. That's the way it stands going into the you know the last weekend half of the uh, half of the season. So uh, my final thought, which I'll you know of course will be at the end of the show, we'll touch a little bit upon uh, you know this expanded playoff system that we've adopted since the bubble. But uh, yeah, well. About the play-ins? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, gang, you know, there's not a lot. We've got spoiled over the last month because the NFL has been just gangbusters with activity. Not a lot happening this week. The only major news, and it's probably only major for people like me that are Rams fans, that Bobby Wagner is the latest superstar Hall of Famer to (laughs) sign with the Los Angeles Rams. So now you literally have a Hall of Famer on the line with AD, a Hall of Fame linebacker in Bobby Wagner, and a Hall of Fame DB in Jalen Ramsey on the defensive side of the ball. But I think what this does, though, is it changes the Rams. Because the Rams have been weak in the middle of the field. You could run on them, and they had tremendous pressure on the line with Von Miller. Now you're going to have a solid run stopper in Bobby Wagner. You don't have the replacement for Von Miller yet. So you may see a lot more linebacker blitzes coming up the middle with Ernest Jones now. It's going to change the Rams. Um, But Ernie, like everyone else, asked the question, how the heck are the Rams able to sign these people? And I think you have to be a Rams fan to understand how many people they've lost this year uh, and the salaries that those people have. You know, so, but I think all you have to do, and this is what I was telling a couple of my buddies, is that for the six years and $120 million that Von Miller got from Buffalo, and the Rams were intent on signing Von Miller, not for that amount, they signed Allen Robinson for three years and $45 million, and Bobby Wagner for five years and $50 million. So the two combined make $95 million. Von got $120. You know, so, again, it's prudent spending. And they're, they're going to have to redo AD's contract, and they're going to have to redo Cup's contract, but that's going to free up salary cap now and push the buck down the road. What it seems like the Rams are going to do is, hey, our window is now. Let's try to run it back. Let's win now. Let's win next year, the year after, and then we'll worry about, you know, the future at that point when AD retires and who knows what else happens. So that's really the only thing that happened. But Ernie, we are a couple of weeks away from the draft, about three weeks away from the draft. So Mm -hmm. don't forget that last weekend before the draft, I believe it's the April... Uh, 25th show the Monday of that week Ernie and I will have our mock drafts where we'll go through the entire first round and let you know who we believe are going to be taken at all of those positions again that's the most fun for me in the whole draft process because my Rams have no picks it it is and and folks just you know we are amateurs but both of us both of us beat Mel Kuyper last year (laughs) (laughs) we we had a better pick percentage than Mel Kuyper so uh, yeah, tune into that one. I think it's going to be real in, 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 interesting. I'd also like to mention that the Masters start this Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing about the Masters, uh, if, if you haven't been following that, Tiger Woods actually showed up at Augusta. He's a game-time exactly. decision it's a game on whether or not he's going to play. Yeah, that puts a lot of intrigue. I would love, I would love, I mean, he, and he, he just has the flair for, 
you know, uh, you know, making something like this into, uh, you know, a firestorm and everything like that. So if he does, if he does make it a game time decision and he does, you know, uh, you know, make it into, you know, the final two days and, you know, is somewhere in the top 20, boy, that's going to be a very watched event this week. Yeah, and th- but that would be that would be incredible. A virtual miracle yeah, yeah, if he be... would one to play and then two to make it to to the weekend would be just unbelievable. But he has a flair for the dramatic. Yeah, you know, hey, the guy when would... there's nothing yeah. expected, things happen for him yeah. or tends to happen. Yeah, for the him. guy won the U.S. Open with a torn meniscus. <laughs> so a torn ACL. A torn ACL meniscus. So I was like. And, and he won, won another major with a broke back. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's remarkable. Uh, don't count that guy out. I mean, uh, say what you will about his, uh, you know, his, his outside uh, meanders, Will Smith-like. <laughs> I hate to say that, folks. I mean, I don't want to well, burn him, but I'll, I'll just say I'm, I'm very disappointed in Will Smith. I, I love the guy. But getting back to Tiger Woods, if he does do that, Incredible. So, uh, assuming that even if he does play, he's not going to win. Who's your favorite heading into the Masters? You know, it could be anybody. I mean, the, really, uh, my favorite one has always been when Tiger Woods at his prime. was Tiger Woods. I mean, I, I used to see lines out there: Tiger Woods versus the field. You know, with golf the way it is, it's really on who's hot, who's not. And there's really no one right now that yeah, stands out. Exactly. So it is a crapshoot um, as to who's going to win. But if you have to pick one. Where are you going? I, 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 you know what? I want to see a long ball hitter. I, I, I want Finau. You know, that guy really, he's been playing well. He plays well. good in majors. He hasn't, he, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't gotten to the top yet. I think that's, that's something I wouldn't be, I, I, I wouldn't be mad if, if he actually, because I, I think the course could be somewhat set up for him, although they did modify the course when Tiger Woods was breaking all those records. So, they made it less of a long ball course, but, you know, I think he can challenge. You know, um, Scheffler is the guy that's playing the, the best right now, uh, so I think he'll be there. But I like one of three guys. Kepka, because he shows up you like in, big, in big events. <laughs> He's got some nagging injuries, but I, I like him. I also like Colin Morikawa, and Hideki plays really well in these big tournaments. So maybe one of the... Maybe somebody from Japan, maybe Morikawa, and I like I, I like Kepka. Yeah, I like. I mean, yeah, the the rivalry isn't there anymore with his with his buddy, but yeah, I like. Yeah, yeah just another long ball hitter, Kepka. So that 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 could be it. And we'll, then, we'll see. One other thing that happened this week is the United States men's national team in soccer qualified for the World Finally. Cup after being shut out. Uh, you know, last time. And, and Ernie, with this team, I think the most talented young. U.S. men's national team probably ever. ever. But they're very young. Yeah, they're young, but that's good. That They'll be good for this World Cup and the next two World Cups. Yeah, I think they're a World Cup away from really having a chance to make some noise. The You know, their, their brackets came out already. They're in the same bracket with England. They have to possibly play... They're going to be playing in their first match the winner of the European play-in game, which is Ukraine against probably Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those are strong European teams, so that's going to be a challenge. England is one of the top five teams in the world. 
that's going to be a challenge. Um, so I'm not sure they're going to be able to get out of, of their group. They're in Group B. Um, but it's going to be exciting to see them try. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all that. That's all that. I mean, what's very disappointing, I don't like how whoever was in charge of, uh, you know, getting the players for the U.S. men's national team. But this this team is young. They're exciting. Uh, I mean, a lot of new faces in there. You know, of course, led by Pulisic. But there's a lot of good young players on top of that. And I, the World Cup is where a lot of new stars are born. And I, I think the U.S. men's national team possibly has three or four that can, you know, will probably come out and break, become household names after this World Cup if they have a successful... Well, you know, even when we had our, our superstars, our U.S. version of superstars, when you had Donovan mm-hmm. and you had Dempsey... They never really made it out of the ML, uh, you know, MLS. They played most of their professional ball in America. Right. Now you have these, these United States players that are playing at the absolute highest Ice level. Levels, yes. Pulisic playing with Chelsea. Um, Barcelona just signed one of our defenders. Uh, our goalie plays in a, in a major league. You know, so talented, talented U.S. team. Let's see if they can make some noise. But it's just going to be nice to see them actually in the World Cup. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's been a while. I, I think we got to go back into the 90s for me to remember a, a really, you know, a competitive. Team that, yeah, competitive team. I remember the South African uh, one that we actually got into the, the, the knockout rounds. Um, I forget how long ago that was. But I, I do think that was quite a ways back. But it's been a while. It's been a while, and they're now competitive, and uh, let's hope for the best. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Ernie. I know you alluded to what you're going to talk about with the NBA uh, and the playoffs, but interested to hear what your perspective is. Yeah, I'm just, I just want – actually, I, I was going to talk about, uh, you know, my top, my top North Carolina teams, but I don't know how <laughs> – I don't know how many of you folks out there are Tar Heel, Tar Heel fans. Uh, thank you if you've been listening this long out to the broadcast. We really appreciate it. But I'm going to talk about, you know, the third, this third iteration of the play-in tournament. Whether you like it or not, I mean, it, for me, it's, it's here to stay. But I think there's going to have to be some modifications. Because really, this, this thing was born out of the bubble, you know, when we had the, the, the COVID-shortened season. And actually, back then, it wasn't four teams. It was basically, you know, the eight and ninth seed to play and that ninth seed had to be within four games of the eighth seed in order for it to happen but that's how this whole thing was born and then last last year uh they expanded to the four teams they took away that four game requirement but and i have no idea why because to me that's where all the controversy came in you know uh why should this why should a tenth seed who let's just say they're eight games back why should they have a chance on a sudden death game you know, to me, that makes all the sense. You're going to play 80. This is not like college, folks. They don't play 30 games. They play on a, on a regular uh, season. That's, that's 82 games. And you're going to discount 82 games on a, uh, on a one game, basically win it all if you're the eighth or ninth, if you're the eighth or ninth seed. You know, uh, to me, they have to put that back. If, 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 if you're not within four games of, to me, the eighth seed, then uh, you're 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 out. I think they have to bring back that rule because what an uproar if that should happen. Let's say the Lakers do squeeze in at the last minute, uh, and 
let's say they do have two uh, Hall of Famers in there, well, three Hall of Famers, four Hall of Famers, if you count Carmelo and, and Westbrook, what if they did catch fire and they, they took out everybody, you know, in that play-in tournament? I think it could happen, you know, they're, they're, they're Hall of Famers. Uh, it meant, that means it meant nothing, nothing to the, for the, the teams that uh, were seated 7th, 8th, and ninth. Uh, so I believe they have to bring that back. I do like it, however. The positives on top of this format is that you don't get too much tanking. I mean, you see there's position, there's uh, teams that are jockeying for position where you wouldn't see them. Uh, you know, not only in the later rounds, but also in, in the, uh, the mid rounds because of, in this case, especially for the, for the east side, uh, Brooklyn being one of the potential teams that could uh, possibly cause a disturbance in the playoffs. But this thing is here to stay, folks. I know there were, there were a lot of players. I think LeBron complained about it last year when the Lakers were one of those fringe teams. And I think they were. I think, I think Weren't they in the playing tournament last year? Yes, as, they were. As, as they seven, were the, the seven. seven eight, seed, they, right? the, they were the number seven. Yeah. So that's why he was rumbling because as the seven, he should have been in. They shouldn't have to play it again. Yeah, but they, uh, they won. Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah. And then this year, no grumbling because that was our only hope was to be 10. <laughs> now we're going to grumble that it should be a 12-team play it. It should be deeper because we're dropping a little bit. <laughs> could, could be. But the NCAA, the NCAA does it with the first four. So, and, and, and I don't see that many people complaining about the first four because you allow those major bubble teams that didn't win their conference but are, are perfect players. UCLA, what if they didn't have that two years ago? when UCLA was in the first four, and they made it to the final four. Yeah. You know? So I think that's different because you have your automatic bid, so you have all the mid-majors that are taking taking stuff. But um, Ernie, there's one reason for this thing continuing. You're right, it started in the bubble. It's greed. They found a way to leverage a three more games mm-hmm. than necessary, three more television games, three more sold-out crowds, uh, and then once in professional sports, once they get a taste for the dollars involved, it's very hard to give the dollars back. Yeah. Now, from a player's perspective, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the play-in doesn't make sense. You already have a sport where 16 teams make the playoffs. You know, so you've had half the teams are literally making the playoffs. So you have ample opportunity to get into the top eight positions. To me, I would do away with it because... What if you had a play at game last year? The Lakers are in the the seven seed. Okay, mm-hmm. LeBron tears his ACL or gets injured and is out for the rest of the playoffs because they're playing that one game. Is that what the NBA wants? Probably not. Now, from this perspective, what's what's the trouble about this year, Ernie? Is that the Lakers are fighting for the tenth spot and the Nets are in the tenth spot. So for the NBA, it's like this is why we need this, or else, man, the Nets wouldn't be in the playoffs, the Lakers wouldn't be in the playoffs. Um, we need to create opportunities for our superstars to get into the playoffs. It's a greed. It's, it's a money grab. It's, it's a greed thing. But from a player's perspective, to me, you have enough time to get into the top eight positions. And if you're not there, wait for the lottery. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> I, but I like the format where, you know, the winner of the, you know, the seventh and eighth seed is on just one game. It's only if you're the loser of that uh, seven, eight, then you got to play an extra, you know, an extra game. So... Two games, injury, if, if, if you're going to get hurt after two games, 
I mean, that's just the, the bad luck of right. it, you know. In my opinion, uh, it does bring at least an extra... I mean, if... Uh, let's just... I, I just see a lot of games going into the last two weeks of the season where you have more people sitting. You know, right now you have three, four... Look, Detroit's making a run. They're, they're beating people, and you know what? They, they suck. No matter, they could win their next four games. They're not even going to come close. You know, but, but they're trying. In years past, prior to this, you saw all of them tanking. All of them tanking. You know, and, and I think this put a little bit more in perspective. So I agree with you in regards to there being uh, uh, you know, the money motive on top of this. But at the same time, I think there is, at least on, from a fan standpoint, you know... Uh, it keeps more teams it, interested it, it, in finishing the season. It, it, exactly. And, and, and you know, you, you don't know how it shakes up. I mean, Boston plays Memphis at, at their last game, both of their last games. We might not even see any of the starters in that game. You know? I'd be shocked if you saw any of yeah, the starters. See, so, so, I mean, at least, at least prior to this, you, you get a little bit more star power, let's say, for a little bit longer time. So if that's worth it, especially for... Ticket prices are crazy. If you bought tickets towards the ending of the season and uh, you're a Laker fan, you're not seeing LeBron anymore. <laughs> Maybe this puts a little bit more incentive. But, you know, it, it, I, don't, I don't see it going away, but I do believe there's going to have to be modifications just to level the playing field. I see it from the player's standpoint that it's, it's not fair. Uh, you, it has to be insurmountable more in favor of the teams that are in that seven and eight position yeah in my opinion yeah i mean i i agree with, i agree with that in, in regards to lebron um he rested today which is a surprise he has to play in two more games to qualify for the scoring title mm -hmm. so he will play two of the next four <laughs> games um he's just looking for the best matchup yeah, probably. Uh, he's just looking for the best matchups because for him individually because as a team clearly him sitting out today means they mailed it in. They know that they're not gonna. They're right. not. They're not gonna. Yesterday, I mean, the loss to the Pelicans on Friday night was the dagger. That's what I think ended the season for them, uh, in terms of them caring about the season, the Lakers season. Now it's just a matter of can LeBron win the scoring title at his age in the 19th season in the NBA. That's incredible. That's all he has is his motivation, I think, at this point in time. Yeah, that's just incredible. Well, gang, tell us what you think. Do you agree with Ernie? Do you like the fact that, you know, we have a play-in tournament, so to speak, where it creates opportunities for the ninth and 10th seed to get in? They do have to win twice in order to get in. So they do have a slightly harder role than the seven or eight seed that just has to win once. Um, Tell us what you think. Social media, uh, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Let us know what you think. Also, who do you have in tonight's championship game, assuming that you're listening? Are you going for North Carolina? Do you think Kansas and Bill Self wins their second championship in the last 20 years? Kansas is a four-point favorite. Ernie's definitely got the Tar Heels. I'm going to be cheering him on, hoping that he'll be celebrating tomorrow night a Tar Heel, or tonight, a Tar Heel Championship. Ernie, anything else you want to cover? Go Heels! Go Heels! All right, gang, until next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. 
Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. 